going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please, this morning. And if you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter number 1, we're going to read verses 4, 5, and 8. Acts chapter 1, reading verses 4, 5, and 8. And as you're turning there, let me read a testimony that came across. I don't know if any of you subscribe to the AG News. Before, years ago, there was the Pentecostal Evangel that used to come out, and you'd read what's happening in the Assemblies of God world. Well, they quit publishing that some years back, and now they have an online version called AG News. And in this particular testimony, they were sharing what God was doing at James River Church. It's our assembly, one of our Assemblies of God churches in Springfield, Missouri. Now, granted, Springfield is a large city. Uh, it's much larger than Whitehall is. But the point is, there's a point at the end of this that we're driving at in this story before I read the text. And this testimony in the AG News said this, James River Church in Springfield, Pastor Lin John Lindell says every week 80 to nearly 100 people are accepting Christ. He said we have seen people healed before, but nothing anywhere close to the numbers we're seeing healed on a weekly basis or of the magnitude of the healings. Healings of brain cancer, deafness, muscle tears, rotator cuff injuries, migraines, nerve injuries. Pastor Lindell says, I've been in the ministry for 37 years, and in all my years of ministry, I have never, never seen anything like this. He says, it's all the Holy Spirit. He says, baptism in the Holy Spirit is the key to everything God wants to do through us and unless we understand the necessity, the power, and the purpose of the baptism, we will never prioritize it in our lives. And then one more paragraph. Pastor Lindell makes it clear that this move of the Spirit isn't just for James River. He believes that prophetic messages given over a century ago may be coming to pass where another outpouring of the Spirit will spread across the land. Now let me read the text this morning, Acts chapter 1, reading verses 4, 5, and 8. I'll read from the New King James Version, and this is what it says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Skipping down to verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If you'll join with me this morning, and let's pray together out loud. Make this our personal prayer as we repeat this prayer together out loud this morning. Pray with me out loud, please. Dear God, Dear God I thank you, thank you. for who you are. And for what you are doing in my heart, in my life, and in this church. And this morning, I ask you to further your work in my heart, in my life, and in this church. Have your way in me this morning. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. 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 You may be seated, please. George Wood, our general, former general superintendent, shared this account. He said, I was preaching in a large Assemblies of God church in a Middle Eastern country. He said, when the building emptied of believers, the pastor of the church explained to me that hundreds of Muslims were at that moment gathering outside waiting for the doors to reopen. Why were they coming? Why were they coming? Because they knew, they knew the Christians prayed for the sick and cast out demons. He went on to say, in that church, the question of whether we need or do not need the baptism in the Holy Spirit does not even come up. He said, when you're confronting powerful evil forces, invading, enemy, invading hostile enemy territory, confronting situations individuals have no human answers for, and facing situations where positive thinking and self-help techniques do not work, you must have a power that comes from God. And we need that power too. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the gateway to experience the miraculous, and it's the doorway to the supernatural. But you see, it's not only in the Middle East, but you and I, we are confronting powerful evil forces. You and I, we are invading hostile enemy territory. You and I, we are confronting situations individuals have no human answers for. And you and I, we are facing situations where positive thinking and self-help techniques do not work. We must have a power that comes from God. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the key, is the gateway, is the doorway to the supernatural and that power. But unfortunately, many today in the Christian world, they view the baptism in the Holy Spirit as being unimportant. But Jesus saw it as being very important. Look with me at our text once again, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and let me read the ver that verse. And there was a word that jumped out at me a while back and I was, as I was reading that. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and this is what it says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of from me. And one day when I was reading that portion of Scripture, you know what it's like. You're reading something and all of a sudden a word jumps out at you. And as I was reading that verse, there was a word that jumped out at me, and it was that word commanded. Jesus was saying, it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. So I thought, well, that must be because I'm reading from the old King James Version. I'll try the, uh, or the new King James Version. I'll try the old King James Version. You know what it said? He commanded them. So I thought, okay, I'm going to read the NIV translation, see what that one says. You know what it said? He commanded them. I thought, okay, I'm going to try the ESV translation. It said, he ordered them. But you know what? It doesn't matter where I looked, I could not find any translation that says, well, he suggested to them, or he implied to them, or he insinuated to them. He commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem without this. 
Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Then he used his last words on earth to talk about this. You know, when people get down to their last words, they talk about what's important, don't they? You ever been with somebody and life is coming to an end? They're going to talk about what's important. Or it might be something as simple as parents going out for supper for the evening and they leave their teenagers home alone when they go out for supper. They're going to talk about what's important. Don't invite your friends over. Make sure you do your homework. People talk about what's important when they're down to their last words. Listen to Jesus' last words, Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then his very last words, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall receive power and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then we find the very next verse, we didn't read it, but Acts chapter 1, verse 9, it says, He ascended and he went up into heaven. Jesus thought they needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He thought this was important. We find Paul thought believers needed this. We read in Acts chapter 19, we won't read this, but let me tell you what's happening there. Acts chapter 19, Paul arrives in the city of Ephesus, large metropolitan city, and there he finds 12 men, 12 believers. And when you put the Greek wording together and all the tenses together, the first question that Paul asked them was, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, well, we have even heard there's such a thing. So Paul explains it to them. He prays for them, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We find another example in Acts chapter 8. We find in Acts chapter 8, here Philip goes down to Samaria, and he's preaching the gospel in Samaria. Many in Samaria, they believe what uh, Philip is preaching. They accept Christ. So you've got all these new believers now in Samaria. And the Bible says that when the early church leaders in Jerusalem, when they heard there were all these new believers in Samaria, they took Peter and John away from whatever they are doing, sent Peter and John 35 miles down to Samaria to tell these new believers about what? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. We find that Jesus thought this was important. We find Paul thought this was important. The early church thought this was important. And it's still important for believers today. But, we also find on the other side of the spectrum now that there'd be others that would view the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a goal. They see it as an end. They see it as a final destination. They see it as something to check off the bucket list. Well, I got that. Now, let me illustrate it this way and it'll make sense. It'd be like a person going out there today and they're buying a generator. We all know what a generator is, right? And a person going out there and buying a generator and they're seeing getting the generator as being the goal. But having the generator is not just the goal. Having the generator is the gateway to the goal. The goal is to have lights that are working. 
The goal is to have a refrigerator that is working. The goal is to have an air conditioner that is working. The generator is the gateway to the goal. The goal is having the lights, the refrigerator, the air conditioner working. Oh, yes, 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 you need to have the generator. But it's not just a goal, it's a gateway to the goal. So it is with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not just a goal, it's much more than that. It's a gateway to the supernatural. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not just an experience to remember, but it's a life to be lived. And so this morning we want to look at three supernatural things that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the gateway to. Three things. Number one, first of all, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the gateway to supernatural prayer for life and ministry. You see, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have a whole new supernatural dimension to prayer. Without this, we pray for only what we know about and what we may know about whatever it is. And that can be very, very limited knowledge. But when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can pray in the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. We can pray in the Spirit. Some people call it praying in our prayer language. Others would say it's praying in other tongues. But the point is that when we pray in the Spirit, we pray for things we don't know about, but the Holy Spirit does. And hey, He knows a whole lot more than we do. Also, we pray for things we don't know how to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. You ever face something that's so complicated and complex, it's like a tangled ball of yarn. You don't have a clue as to how to even start to pray for this thing. It's such a mess. But we can pray in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to pray for that. And the third thing is, when we pray in the Spirit, we can know that we are praying in accordance with the will of God. I'm not sure my English prayers are always in accordance with the will of God. Some of them can get self-serving, self-centered, self-directed, but when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I can know that prayer is in accordance with the will of God. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It verifies all of this. Paul writing, he says, Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we should or as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Verse 27, He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can pray in the Holy Spirit and that catapults our prayer experience from the natural into the supernatural. Also, as we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can give us direction as to what to do. Holy Spirit can give us insights that we did not have. Holy Spirit can give us answers to questions that we've been asking. And also, as we pray in the Holy Spirit, it gives us a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Let me illustrate it like this. Remember before people had cable television, they'd have an antenna on the roof. And what did you do if you wanted to have better television reception? You would rotate that antenna. 
Or you'd go to the hardware store and you'd buy a longer pole and you'd put the antenna up on a taller pole. I liken that when we pray in the Holy Spirit, it's like rotating our spiritual antenna so we can better hear what the Spirit is saying. It's like putting the antenna spiritually on a higher pole so we can better hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Let me illustrate it with a story. Jackie Pollinger tells this story. She was a missionary to Hong Kong. And there was this old Buddhist woman that she was trying to bring to Christ. But she was getting nowhere in bringing that old Buddhist woman to Christ. And so one day Jackie decided, I'm going to start praying in the Holy Spirit for that old Buddhist woman. And so she called out that old Buddhist woman's name and then she began to pray in other tongues for that old Buddhist woman. And she did that for a period of days and one day as she's praying in the Spirit for that old Buddhist woman, the word vegetable came to mind. She thought, well, that's really bizarre. I'm going to go ask that old woman's son if the word vegetable would mean anything to his mother. So he went to, she went to ask the son, would vegetable mean anything to your mother? And the son said, oh, yes, because you see, my mother has only been eating vegetables in order to try to please her God. So with that new revelation, Jackie went to that old Buddhist woman and said, I want to tell you, God loves you so much for trying to please him by eating vegetables. And he has sent me here today to introduce you to him, and his name is Jesus. And that day, that old Buddhist woman gave her life to Christ. You'd say, well, how'd that happen? Well, it was through that revelation of the word vegetables. Well, where did that come from when she was praying in the Holy Spirit? Jackie said there's so much going on all the time in the spirit realm that we have little or no revelation of. And our only means of tapping into that realm of all is through praying in the Holy Spirit. Jackie said that after she began praying in the spirit, she said people started coming to Christ in her ministry. She said, at first I thought it was because my Chinese had gotten better. Then she said, I realized my Chinese was as bad as it ever was. But she said that the only change was that I had started praying the Spirit and then I found myself at the right place at the right time saying the right thing to the right people. She summarized it by saying it in this way. She said, I started to pray in the Spirit and then He began to work and no one works like Him. You might say, well, everybody who's baptized in the Holy Spirit, they just pray in the Spirit on a regular basis after that initial speaking in the Spirit that they just do on a regular basis. I didn't that, do that years ago. I prayed in the Spirit when I felt like it, prayed in the Spirit when I had really big problems. You got regular problems praying in English. You got really big ones, then you get desperate, start praying in other tongues. But I remember reading an author's writing one time years ago where he challenged us as spirit-filled believers, he said, every day take time to pray in the Spirit. Every day take time to pray in the Holy Spirit. And when I read that, I got challenged in my own heart that I'm going to start doing that. that every day I'm going to endeavor to take time to pray in the Holy Spirit. And when I started to do that, I found God began to do things in me that weren't happening before. God began to do things in the ministry that weren't happening before. I think Jackie Pollinger was onto something. She said, I started to pray in the Spirit, and then he began to work, and no one works like him. Well, you might say, well, that's just like you. That's just, that's just you. That's just you. But you know, Pew Forum has done a survey 
of Pentecostals and Charismatics in America, Pew Forum, a reputable research organization, they did a survey of Pentecostals and Charismatics in America, and their survey showed that 49% never pray in the Holy Spirit after their initial infilling of the Holy Spirit and speaking in their tongues. 49% never pray in the Spirit. What a waste. What a waste. That's like going out there and buying a generator. You throw it in a closet and you never put it to use. Let's be people who are not only going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we're going to be people who pray in the Holy Spirit. And four quick things that I always mention. What, number one, let's just determine that every day we're going to endeavor to take time to pray in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The devil is going to whisper every lie he can think of into your ear as to why not to do that. You know what his, one of his greatest lies is? Well, you don't know what you're praying. Hey, you're not the one that answers anyway. I don't care if I know what I'm praying. All I care about is that God knows what I'm praying. And you know what? I think many times we're better off not knowing what we are praying because if we knew what we were praying, we'd say, time out, God, that's not what I want. That's not what I'm asking. But when we pray in the Spirit, we know that that prayer is in accordance with the will of God. But every day, take time to pray in the Spirit. Second of all, pray out loud if you have a chance. I find myself being more focused when I can pray out loud. So pray out loud. Find a place where you can pray out loud. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pray silently in other tongues. Heard a testimony recently of a lady in Michigan. This particular lady baptized in the Holy Spirit woman, but she got kidnapped one day. And the kidnap, kidnappers duct tape her mouth shut. They put duct tape so she couldn't scream for help. And her testimony later on, God delivered her miraculously out of that situation. But her testimony was that they could duct tape my mouth, but they couldn't duct tape my tongue. And she was praying in the spirit silently while they were abducting her. But God did a miracle and got her out. But pray out loud if you have a chance to get a chance to pray out loud. Thirdly, slow down. People sometimes say, I only have a few words. If you slow down, the language will grow. Just slow down and the language will grow. And then take time to listen. Take time to listen as to what God is going to say back to you. But let's be people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and we're going to be people who pray in the Holy Spirit. Second of all, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gateway to supernatural power for life and ministry. In our text, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power. The Greek word literally meant ability, it meant enablement. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the gateway to supernatural power. You look at those early disciples. They walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Wherever Jesus went, they went. Whatever Jesus did, they saw. Whatever Jesus said, they heard. Three and a half years, they followed Jesus. And then on the night when Jesus was arrested, what happened? They scattered, they hid, they fled. You look at Peter. The night when Jesus was arrested and servant girls came to Peter and said, you're one of his followers, aren't you? Paraphrasing Peter's response, I never met him. I don't know him. I don't have a thing to do with him. And then 50 days later, that same Peter is publicly and powerfully preaching before thousands. What happened to Peter? What happened to the others? They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They received something they did not have before, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They went from those who hid, scattered, and fled to standing strong for Jesus. 
Before being baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was little change in those disciples. They weren't really stellar performers. They were found arguing, who of us is going to be the greatest? Who of us is going to sit in the highest positions? Scattered and hid and fled when Jesus was arrested. Even after the resurrection, they're still looking for an earthly kingdom. And one author pointed out this interesting fact. Do you know that after the crucifixion, and up until the time of Pentecost, in that time period, you read of no conversions whatsoever. You read of no one coming to Christ. And so then on the day of Pentecost, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 come to Christ. There was a noticeable change that happened when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. After they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you could threaten them with whipping, and the response seemed to be, go ahead, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Threaten them with prison, go ahead. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Threaten them with death, go ahead, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. I mean, there was just a new undeniable power in their lives. You can't get away from it. There was that undeniable power. What walking with Jesus for three and a half years could not accomplish after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, enabled them to do and to be. Now, just so we don't have any misunderstanding, let me very clearly emphasize, first of all, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit necessary for salvation? Absolutely not. We are saved through a commitment of our life to Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing added to. Does every believer have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them? Yes, they do. The moment we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within every believer. Paul says we're born of the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. But this now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is a separate, additional experience available to all believers. It's not necessary for salvation but as I've often said, without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we will not be all that we can be. And with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we will be more than we are. In my own life, I gave my life to Christ as a boy at the age of 10. But there was things that I couldn't do after that. Even though I had given my life to Christ, I couldn't speak in front of a group of people. I couldn't tell people about Jesus. I couldn't hand out literature. There, there was things that I just could not do. But after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a new power that came into my life. I found I could speak in front of a group of people. I found I could tell people about Jesus. I found I could hand out literature. There was a new power that came into my life. Before being baptized in the Holy Spirit, any time I had to speak in front of the class in school, that morning I'd be found at home. My stomach would be tied up in knots from nervousness, so knotted I would be throwing up into a sink every morning I had to speak in front of the class. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a new power that came into my life. But now this can be an aha moment for somebody this morning. There was a new power that came in, into my life, and when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a new power that comes into our life. Jesus said, you shall receive power. But somebody might say, well, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I still got fears, and I still got butterflies. Hey, that just means you're still alive, okay? There's still going to be fears. There's still going to be butterflies. Let me illustrate it from the Bible. Paul the Apostle, 
baptized in the Holy Spirit, preached about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, wrote about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, prayed for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Did he have any fears and butterflies? Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He had been there already. Now he's writing a letter back to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul said, he was, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. That's Paul. Spirit-filled Paul. I was with you in weakness and in fear and trembling. Here's the key now. Let me unpack it in this way. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, that power's in there. We read it in our text. Jesus said, you shall receive power. That power's in there. But in order for the power to come out, we need to take the step of boldness and do what God is asking us to do. That's why, have you ever noticed in the epistles how often Paul prayed for boldness? Again and again and again. For example, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul knew that as he took the step of boldness, then the power would get released. Otherwise, the power, it sits there, but it doesn't get released. Let me illustrate it from my life, but before that, the generator illustration. Picture a generator. You've got a generator that is running. I mean, that generator is running, and there's all kinds of power in that generator. But the power just sits in the generator until you do what? You've got to plug something in. And when you plug something in, the power gets released. How do we plug something in? It's when God opens a door and we go through the open door. It's when God taps us on the shoulder and says, I want you to do this. And we go ahead and do that. That's when the power kicks in. When we take the step of boldness. Let me illustrate it in this way. God baptized in the Holy Spirit all by myself walking across a field in the middle of the night at a secular university. I'll tell the story later. But... Anyway, shortly after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit walking across a field, the pastor of the church I was attending in Marquette, Michigan at that time came up to me and he said, Bill, would you be willing to share your testimony on Sunday night? He didn't even know I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was talking about my testimony about giving my life to Christ as a boy at the age of 10. And so he said, Bill, would you be willing to share your testimony on Sunday night? And I said, sure. You know what I spent the rest of the week doing? I spent the rest of the week saying, why did you say yes to that man? What in the world have you agreed to? How are you going to get out of this? What are you going to do? You say, where's that power you're talking about? I'm getting to that. All week long, I'm stewing and fussing and fretting about what have I got myself into? How can I get out of this thing? What am I going to do? Sweaty palms, cold hands, butterflies as I'm thinking about it. Sunday night comes, church service is progressing along, and they're having their worship time, and they do the announcements, and, and all that, that whole time, I'm just hoping it's one of those services where the Holy Spirit takes over and they forget my part. But unfortunately, that wasn't happening. The service was just rolling right along, and I've got the sweaty palms and cold hands and butterflies. You say, where's that power? Well, I'm getting to that. 
all through that service, sweaty palms, cold hands, butterflies, and finally they get to the point where the pastor says, okay, Bill, come on up, it's your turn. So I start walking up, I'm sitting right over in that area of the church, and it was the longest walk I ever took in my life, and and now there was not only the sweaty palms, cold hands, and butterflies, but now there were shaking knees to go along with it. You say, where's that power? Well, I'll get it. I'm getting to that. Sweaty palms, cold hands, butterflies, shaking knees. I got to the podium. Sure enough, they were all still there. But I found that when I started, when I started, there was also a new power that was helping me, a new power that was helping me to do what God was asking me to do. Were there sweaty palms? Yes. Were there butterflies? Yes. Were there cold hands? Yes. But there was also a new power. There was a new power that was helping me to do what God was opening the doors for me to do. You and I, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a gateway to supernatural power. We'll find ourselves doing things we never even dreamed that we could ever, ever do. In my wildest dream, I would have never imagined that this kid who could not give a book report in school would one day end up being a pastor and then being an evangelist. But that's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit can do. And then the third and the last thing this morning, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gateway to supernatural provision for life and ministry. Now, we're not speaking of financial provision here while God does financially provide, but we're speaking of provision for life and ministry. He gives us the tools the tools that we need, the equipment that we need for life and ministry. Two areas to mention. First of all, the baptism in the Holy Spirit makes all the gifts of the Holy Spirit available to the believer and increases likelihood of being used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, technically, even a believer who is not baptized in the Holy Spirit could, could, possibly be used in most of those gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You say, what's the Bible basis? All we have to do is look at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you find seven of those nine gifts in the Old Testament before Pentecost. You find healing, you find miracles, you find faith, you find wisdom, you find knowledge. But you find them only rarely, only rarely, and only by a very few select individuals. You know, we turn a page in the Bible in the Old Testament and we think it's the next, next day when years and years and centuries could have passed by. And every once in a while, oh yeah, there was an Elijah or there was an Elisha or there was some other individual that God used. But very rarely and very sporadically. But after Pentecost, after the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you find the gifts in operation by many. And often, I call them in the book, God's power tools for life and ministry. You know, you could build an entire house out there with old hand tools. You know, the old hand saw, the old hand drill, the old hand hammer. You could build an entire house that way. People did it for centuries. But oh, how much better to have power tools. Oh my, to have a pneumatic hammer and to have a skill saw and to have a power drill. Well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're like God's power tools for life and ministry. A word of wisdom when we don't know what to do and God gives us a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge when God gives us facts that we'd have no way of knowing, but God gives us facts that we need to know. Or the discerning of spirits. Discerning whether the spirit behind something is from God, of Satan, or of the flesh. 
or the power of God gifts, the gifts of healings, or the working of miracles, or the gift of faith. When God gives you faith for a situation and you just know that you know that you know that this is the way it's going to be, not because someone says so, but because God has given you faith for that situation. Or the voice of God gifts, the word of prophecy, a message in tongues, an interpretation of a message in tongues. The baptism in the Holy Spirit makes all the gifts available and increases likelihood of being used in the gifts. And then secondly, the baptism in the Holy Spirit opens the door to a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit. Doug Clay, our, our general superintendent, defines anointing in this way. It's supernatural assistance to do more than you can do in the natural. Supernatural assistance to do more than you can do in the natural. The baptism in the Holy Spirit increases the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing will help you to be more than you are in the natural. The anointing will help you to say more than you know in the natural. The anointing will help you to do more than you can do in the natural. The, somebody summarized it this way, the baptism in the Holy Spirit makes you a better you. In closing this morning, God is pouring out His Holy Spirit around the world today in an incredible, incredible way. Statisticians estimate that right now there are 669 million baptized in the Holy Spirit believers around the world right now. 669 million. Give you a perspective, the population of America is about 320 million. But there are 669 million baptized in the Holy Spirit believers around the world, most of them overseas. 669 million. That's two times plus the United States population. And also it's estimated that every single day, 27,000 people get baptized in the Holy Spirit around the world. Every single day. But it's not just a goal, but it's a gateway providing supernatural prayer, supernatural power, and supernatural provision. I found the baptism in the Holy Spirit changed my Christian life. Let me just quickly tell you what happened in my life. And it, you can maybe apply it to your, your own life. I don't know each person here this morning. I don't know your background. I don't know where you come from. But some might say, well, I don't have any church background, and this is all new to me. Well, this was all new to me, too. Or maybe you say, preacher, I actually come from a liturgical church background. Maybe it's Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian. Spent the first eight years of my life in a liturgical church. Wonderful people. They were kind. They were sweet, loving, fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful people. But in those eight years in that particular Lutheran church that I attended, nobody ever talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Never heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Never heard anything about it. No one said anything bad. No one said anything good. No one said anything about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or you might say, well, preacher, I actually come from an evangelical church background. Maybe it's Baptist or Nazarene or Evangelical Free or Missionary Alliance. Spent the next eight years of my life in an evangelical church. Wonderful, wonderful people. Love Jesus, committed to Christ. People I will forever be indebted to because it was during that eight-year period, the age of 10, I made a commitment to my life to Jesus. Greatest decision I've ever made in all of my life. Wonderful people, love Jesus, committed to Christ. In that particular church, they preached, taught, and believed that what was in the book of Acts was powerful. What was in the book of Acts was real. 
But in that particular church, they also preached, taught, and believed that when the book of Acts ended, so did the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That was for back then, but that wasn't for today. So during those years, I didn't see people, anybody, I didn't see anybody receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And after I came to Christ, I didn't desire the baptism in the Holy Spirit because people told me it wasn't for today. Well, then in my late teenage years, my parents began to attend the Ironwood Assembly of God in Ironwood, Michigan. And as they began to attend that church, I went with them, and I began to hear about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I learned that Paul said in Acts 2, verse 39, regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Paul said, this is for you. This is for your children. This is for those who are far off. As many as the Lord shall call. And I learned it had not ended with the book of Acts like I've been told all those years. But I learned it was still for today. Paul said, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for those who are far off. As many as the Lord our God shall call. It was for them, their children, the next generation, and all future generations, including us today. Then as we kept going to that church, I began to be open to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, open in this way. Yes, Lord, I believe it's real. I, and it's nice those people have received it. But I don't think I need this. And then as we kept going to that church, I began to casually desire the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I casually desire it this way. Yes, Lord, I believe it's real. And it's nice those people have received it. And Lord, if you want to hit me with it, you go right ahead. Kind of like a two-by-four, he's going to hit me with one day. You know, we're not going to ask God for this, but you want to hit me with it, you go right ahead. Hey, in the Gospels, Jesus said, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To those who ask him. We need to ask. And then it got to the point where I really, I really wanted to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I remember I got prayed for in church. You know what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Ever happened to any of you? Got prayed for, nothing happened? So then I thought, well, I'll pray on my own. So I prayed on my own to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know what happened? Nothing. Well, by now I was a student at Northern Michigan University, Marquette, Michigan, majoring in business. I'll never forget this night as long as I live. I'd been in the library that night studying. It was now midnight. The library was closing. Had to leave the library that midnight, walk across campus to my dormitory. That midnight, I left the library, started walking across an empty, vacant field between the library and my dormitory. And hey, it's the middle of the night. Nobody's around. And so I started walking across that empty, vacant field, and I just started praying out loud. Nobody's around, so I just started praying out loud. Lord, I just want all that you promised. Lord, I want all that's available. Lord, just baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And before I even realized what happened, I found I was no longer praying in English, but I was praying in another language. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit walking across a field in the middle of the night at a secular university. But there were three things that caused me to desire that. Number one was, I came to the conclusion that if Jesus thought this was important, then I wanted whatever Jesus thought was important. Second of all, I came to the conclusion that there was more available than what I had already received, then I wanted all that was available. And thirdly, I came to the conclusion that the baptism in the Holy Spirit can do everything this book says it can, and everything people told me it can, then I wanted and I needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit and I found the baptism in the Holy Spirit revolutionized my Christian life. I found they gave me a supernatural dimension of prayer. It gave me a supernatural dimension of power. And it gave me a supernatural dimension of provision. And the good news is that any believer 
can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The good news is, hey, if you're a believer, congratulations, you're eligible. It's available for every believer. Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning. Beth, if you'll come to the keyboard, please. Father, this morning we thank you and we praise you from the very depths of our heart for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And Father, this morning we are so thankful and so grateful for Jesus. Because Father, we realize that without Jesus we would have no relationship with you. We'd have no possibility of a relationship with you. And so Father, this morning we are so thankful and so grateful for Jesus. And we're so thankful and grateful for your Holy Spirit that you have given to help us as we live this life. Not only the dimension of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us as believers when we become a believer, but then the additional dimension of your Holy Spirit's working, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Father, we're so thankful, we're so grateful. And we realize that we can't earn, merit, or deserve anything we receive of you, but we thank you for your grace and mercy that make it all possible. Thank you for your grace and mercy. We also realize you don't force anything on anybody, but you wait for us to open the doors and the windows of our life. And we pray that in the closing moments of this service this morning, we just open the doors and the windows of our life, allowing your work to be furthered within us. This morning, with every hand bowed, every eye closed, no looking around, please. I don't know each person here this morning. I don't know where you are at in your spiritual life. And you might say, Preacher, you just mentioned a moment ago that without a commitment of our life to Jesus, we have no relationship with God. And that is true. But the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open, just waiting. And you might say, Preacher, I've never made that commitment to my life to Jesus. Well, this morning he stands with his arms wide open just waiting for you. He's waiting for you with open arms. Or you might be here this morning and say, Preacher, I've done that before. But you know, you know, you know that as sure as you're sitting here this morning, you're not living by that commitment you made to Christ. And something we committed our life to years ago, but we're not living by today, doesn't do us any good. The issue isn't years ago. The issue is where we at this morning. But the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open saying, come back to me. Come back to me. I still got a plan for your life. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you with open arms. He's waiting for you. Or you might be here this morning and say, preacher, I am a believer, I am a follower of Jesus, but there's stuff in my life that shouldn't be there. And I need Jesus to cleanse me, to wash me, to forgive me of the sin in my life. And the good news is he stands with his arms wide open, just waiting to cleanse, to wash, to forgive. If we're just willing to admit and acknowledge our need of his cleansing and forgiveness and be willing to repent and turn from the sin, he stands with his arms wide open. This morning in this first altar call, we're not going to have you come forward, but just simply right where you're seated in a moment. If you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ, or you need to recommit your life to Christ, or you're in cleansing and forgiveness of sin, in a moment we're going to ask you to slip up your hand, and then we're going to have one word of prayer for everyone who slips up their hand this morning. So this morning with every hand bowed, every eye closed, and no looking around, please. This morning if you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ, or you need to recommit your life to Christ. 
or you need cleansing and forgiveness from sin, this morning right here, right now, right where you're at, just slip up that hand right now. Just slip it up right now. I see hands going up. I see hands going up. You may put them down. Are there still others? Still others. You may put them down. Still others. Still others. Father, this morning you've seen the beautiful sight, individuals responding to the tuggings of your Holy Spirit upon their hearts. And Father, we know that you are thrilled. You are thrilled at the tenderness of their hearts. You are thrilled at the desire of their hearts. And we know that you love them. And Father, we pray this morning you minister the very reason why they've raised the hand this morning. I pray, Father, in this quiet moment, as they admit and acknowledge their sin to you, and as they ask you, the forgiver of sins, to cleanse them, to wash them, to forgive them, I pray, Father, you will cleanse them, you will wash them, and you will forgive them. In this quiet moment, just say, Jesus, just forgive me of the sin in my life. Cleanse me and wash me and forgive me of the sin in my life. And Father, we pray that if they've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life, we pray that in this quiet moment, they would invite Christ to come into their life and to be the Lord of their life. Again, in this quiet moment, if you've never invited Christ into your life, just say, Jesus, Come and live within me by your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you and be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your cleansing and forgiveness. Thank you that you dwell within us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're going to help us as we live for Jesus from this day on. Thank you for what you've done through your grace and mercy. Thank you for what you're going to be doing in the coming days. And Father, we ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's all stand together, please, if we could. Everyone standing, please, unless you're physically unable to stand this morning. Now, we have one more altar call in this service before we finish this morning. You know, if we end it right now, it would be a wonderful morning. People coming to Christ or recommitting their life to Christ, people making things right with God. But you know, it would be a trap. By the way, if you're making a first-time commitment of your life to Christ, let pastor know. Bible says with our heart we believe, with our mouth we make confession. Let somebody know. But if we ended right now, it'd be a wonderful morning. But it'd be a travesty for us to come and preach how wonderful, how powerful how life-changing and available the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. And then say, God bless you. I hope someday you receive. Have a nice life without giving you the opportunity to receive. Hey, I can't baptize anybody in the Holy Spirit. But there's somebody here this morning who baptizes in the Holy Spirit and his name is Jesus. And he's here this morning to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And in a moment, Beth is going to sing a song that relates to the Holy Spirit. And if your prayer this morning is, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just pray for things I, want to, I know about. I want this supernatural dimension of prayer. I don't want to just be living in my own power. I want this supernatural dimension of power in my life. I want this provi supernatural provision for my life. I want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. If that is your prayer in a moment, we're going to ask you to step out of those seats, going to ask you to come and stand in this area to my left, to your right. 
and I'll join you over there. I'm going to share a couple things with you. I'm going to ask pastor to join me over there. I'm going to share a couple things with you, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to believe Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit.